the last time we were talking about Akira and we got to what is roughly the halfway point of the manga, but if you've only ever seen the movie, we pretty much encapsulated everything that the movie covers. And so all of this stuff here that we're about to talk about is going to be completely new to you if you have only seen the movie. Oh, extra credit time. Uh, awesome. Watch this. Roll the music. Let's do it then. Let's t- let's talk about about Akira. Akira because I this time Ethan I went back and I did I did the homework and I watched it and I got to say you're full you're full of shit. Is nothing like what you said. You promised me facts and all I got were were lies and a very confusing ending which I hope <laughs> I really hope you have an answer for because I don't know how that movie ended and I watched it and I was watching it the whole time and I was like, nah, Ethan was doing a, a big goof on all of us. He pulled the wool over our eyes. Yeah. Did you did you see that ending coming, CJ? Was that like where, on uh, your bingo book there? Where they turn into a, a, a single point All right, that's, uh, that's fantastic. I'm sure that we'll definitely get into all of that. First of all, it was kind of, the movie's kind of like what I was talking about, but it is significantly <laughs> different from the manga because uh, when they started making the movie, they basically said, we are going to throw a frankly ridiculous budget at this, Mm. but we are going to do one movie. Mm -hmm. And uh, Otomo ran with this. I don't think I mentioned this uh, last time, but the creator, Katsuhiro Otomo, he is just one of those guys who will not give a single fucking inch when it comes to creative control of his properties. Mm. So... Not only he's the manga creator, he also wrote the screenplay for and directed the movie. And he also, like, worked directly with the American translation team. He made sure, like, it was his studio that removed all of the Japanese word bubbles and switched them to, like, where they would fit better for English. You're telling me... (laughs) You're telling me that there's a lot of discrepancies between the source material and more widely consumed material that would need some sort of, unless you wanted to read a really long manga, some sort of like boiled down sort of explanatory type deep dive into into that differences and perhaps lore even that, oh my gosh. that like a person could consume instead. Oh my gosh, is that why you're here at The Lore You Know? A podcast where some friends dive into the fantastical and often convoluted lore of media that we grew up with and love and are confused by a lot of the time? 
Um, so, but here th- this week to bring you the mostly correct facts about made up things are me, Fran. Me, Ethan. And I'm CJ. And I set up that opening. I, 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 I lobbed it over. You guys got really into the movie. I, I lobbed, I lobbed <laughs> like, it over and Fran spiked it down. And I'm here, I'm here as your resident, uh, guy who kind of knows about the process of nuclear armament and the... <laughs> Just because you are building nukes in Civ Six, well, the game we've that's doesn't tr- mean true, that. <laughs> and that's important because I like I am the Germans. I'm not Hitler, but I just I picked random, and it gave me the Germans. So I decided to do sort and of an alternate know, an alternate world history where they got the nukes first. If it's a good first. fit, it's a good fit. Right. So where uh, the where the Germans okay. the Germans teamed up with the Scots to take over the world. <laughs> Yeah, everybody know that. But okay. Um, um, but question though. So the fact that so the reason why the movie is, from what I'm hearing, is different than the manga and the adaptation of the English version, whatever, is the way it is, is because the creator wanted it that way. This was this was like straight from the creator, straight from Otomo. This is not one of those things where like some third party came in and fucked it all up. Okay. Okay. Uh, that makes sense. But it was, I will say the, the movie is really like, it definitely has a pointed message. It doesn't feel like an incomplete story. Like a lot of times when you mm. get with like an adaptation, it does feel like it has a thing to say in a very specific way. Um, was it so- adapted before the manga was done? It was, yes. Okay. Oh, okay. Cause I was going to also say I did get to the ending and, I was like, wait, that it feels like there was more that it was gonna do, but yeah. Okay. So we'll um, I'll quick go over some differences between you know the manga and the the movie as our our sort of refresher introduction, hmm. and then we will get into the second half of the manga. Mm-hmm. But they definitely when they when they're approaching the movie, they have this problem. And it's a problem that I think Akira could still be adapted today for. That is, you know, basically the problem of bi-weekly release comics, right? Is Akira was made to come out every other week. And for a young adult audience, they were like, well, we can't go more than like one release without having some cool chase scene or action mm. scene or whatever. Yeah. And Sounds so- correct. Yeah. I, I in our last episode, I cut out a lot of parts of, and then the military police see Kaneda, and there's a good chase scene, and he's <laughs> barely able to escape. Right. Uh, so when they were making the movie, uh, Otomo knew he had two hours to work with it, and so he was like, I am going to make this a lot more concise. Okay. So he took the basic plot of the first half of the manga, the first, honestly, more like third, two-fifths, and then made that concise, took the very ending that he had planned, and just kind of fucking jammed it on there. Mm. And he was like, they'll get it. It's fine. We did not get it, by the way. (laughs) As a person, I'm I'm like fresh off of it. I'm like quite literally one hour ago I finished watching this film, so. I like I tried to like process everything to figure out because I, I I will want to at the end at least talk a little bit about like I think 
some of the intended meanings, or at least some of the meanings I think are valuable from from it based on what we know about history. But there's also definitely some pretty like misguided or at least just not very like fully developed uh I, I guess just like ideas in there. Um which makes sense because it's like this is this has to do with like it's a big euphemism for like international politics mm -hmm. vis-a-vis war like obviously mm -hmm. there's a lot of nuance there that is is tough to grasp but at the very least let's figure out this story and how it goes because i what I feel a little lied to, quite honestly, by Ethan. So, uh, right, yeah, I'm really let's, surprised let's... it hasn't been readapted since then. Since this yeah, movie, so is don't you know, Frank? How many decades ev ago? Every piece of media that's anime is readapting it. It's at the core of everything. Yeah, but so, so... I'm surprised it hasn't. The manga hasn't been readapted in the past like 35 years. No, but that that is a good point, Fran. And there's I, there are like two big reasons for that. One of them was the one I mentioned earlier. Otomo <laughs> keeps a fucking vice grip on the things that he's created. And yeah. so he will he will never let anybody do just like a cash grab version of his stuff. If it's going to be recreated, it's going to be, you know, like to be an improvement. Mm. And then the other part of it is just that uh, story-wise... Akira could be it could be made more concise it could be made like the the point could be made made more focused but artistically speaking it would be super super hard to remake this movie and make it better than the mm. 1980s movie it was an absolutely huge budget it was all handmade and yeah. you know we can do some cool things with uh 3D animation nowadays, but the problem is that one of the like primary things that Akira is known for, the intense body horror stuff, <laughs> does not like we're not there yet with um with 3D. Yeah. Like all the complicated engines that they have to try and make like realistic looking flowing water, they would need like that much stuff dedicated to realistic uh, morphing flesh yeah yeah and that's that we're we're not there yet and nobody seems to be putting that on a high priority no one wants to that, be there that, yet. that was also a thing i really was expecting just like a lot of over the top like i guess Gross gore. Faces. i feel like i'm maybe just dead inside because i got to the end and i was like <laughs> that wasn't that bad like th there wasn't that much there was like one scene where he inflates, and I'm like, I've seen this before. I've seen, yeah, basically. I've, I've heard Attack on Titan is far worse. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. But yeah. that being said, Attack on Titan is like trying to just be that. Trying. It's trying to be goat gross for the sake of gross, right. yeah. as opposed to this, which is definitely like more artistic. It, like it is. If I didn't know about it, and I had never seen other animes that have come out in the last like 20 years, and like it, it would be very shocking. I would be like, "Whoa, whoa, this is crazy!" But I'm like nearing my 30s, and I, <laughs> I feel like Youngin. I feel like the internet has, uh, really, really torn me asunder. So I was just like, "This is, this is fine." <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
You right, that is part of it. You have to remember, came out the movie came out thirty five years ago now, and it's you know it's one of those things where like a lot of the uh you know body horror stuff that we know about today, especially in animation, was influenced by this. Yeah, and you know people always love to try and take it up a notch. All right, um, let's let's get into it. Ethan. We'll get give into us, it. Yeah, us, we'll so- get into it. So I presume the movie at least keeps like the ending of what we talked about last time of Tetsu oh Tetsuo free Akira and then Akira mm-hmm. ended up getting his friend's number twenty six's brains blown out in, on his face yeah. right let me and know. then he exploded or no oh. uh so let me we'll we'll do kind of like a real a real quick list of the differences right. So our our big characters are still in there. It still focuses around Kaneda, K, and Tetsuo. Mm-hmm. Um, we do it's have still very drug focused. No, it's really it is not. not. It's not ah. drug focused. No, there was and like that, one that... reference to it in the whole thing, and, I, and that's when I was like, "Wait a second! They're not even <laughs> they're not even scooping handfuls of drugs into their mouth." Ethan was Sick telling cereal films. eating. It is, uh, yeah, they really, like, tone down the whole drug reference thing, which... Even though... Yeah, it changes even, the story a lot. That's even, that's one of the main elements. Yeah, even though Kaneda wears a jacket with a big pill on the back of it, <laughs> by the way... Not explained. It, yeah, it's just like... I don't know, it's like in Baby Driver when... Or not in Baby Driver, just like Driver, when he's just like the driver or whatever with what's with Ken... And he's mm-hmm. and he's wearing like a like a jacket with a dragon on the back of it. It's like that doesn't mean anything. Probably it's just an Akira <laughs> reference. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, they so they totally tone down the drug thing. And the other thing they do is um, a lot of our characters' positive personality traits develop in response to the world dying, in response to the apocalypse happening. Mm. And so, like, Kaneda is going to become a slightly more heroic character here, but they were like, man, we gotta get going. Mm -hmm. So he is, like, from the start of the movie, he's more of the kind of, like, yeah, he's a he's a ruffian, but he's a lovable scamp type okay. ruffian who becomes a hero real quick. Like, yeah, I will say, uh, like to his character, he's he's not particularly unlikable. To Ethan's point in the first episode, where he was like, "This series has no like heroes in it." Um, yeah, he's the worst thing he really does in the anime is I at one point K kills a like a police officer. And he's just like, it's okay. He's, I mean, he's dead now, but it's not a big deal. Like that, that's, the, that, that's the worst thing he does is he's just okay with someone else doing a murder because he thinks that she's hot. Which also, by the way, I, I, don't, I don't know exactly how to say this, but it is very confusing when you have two of your main characters and they both really do look basically the same and they're dressed in the same outfit for like a third of the movie. Like Kaneda and Kay are both like in disguise for like half the movie and they're wearing the mm. same orange jumpsuit and they look very close to the same. And so I really did have a tough time telling them apart most of the time. This is just <laughs> CJ being a racist. Yeah, I just uh-huh. Yeah. Definitely not that old school anime. I do think though that 
uh, Tetsuo is like a very good stand-in for Vegeta. I think Vegeta and Tetsuo are just the same person. Uh, yeah, Vegeta is uh, strongly based on Tetsuo. And he's got like the huge forehead, and then at the end of the movie, he's going Super Saiyan, and it makes his forehead look mm-hmm. even bigger. He's got a big head. <laughs> he got he got a big head, but yeah, no, Vegeta is is definitely takes a lot of inspiration from Tetsuo. And the more I I recently uh, rewatched the Saiyan saga, mm. and I was like, this is this cribbed a lot of notes that I would not have noticed before the whole like power dynamic of the fight and such. Mm-hmm. But getting yeah, getting so getting back to the quick and dirty of the movie, we still focus on Kaneda K Tetsuo. Um, we still have the similar thing where, you know, Tetsuo runs, almost runs his bike into number 26 and starts to develop powers. Mm-hmm. We move through all of that a lot faster. The revolution in the movie is just like solely led by Nezu. We don't get mm-hmm. into all of the Miyako stuff because Miyako is a huge character in the second half here, <laughs> but she hasn't really done anything in like our first half we've been talking about yet. So they were other like, than you know call what? Nezu we... worthless. Yeah, we could. Yeah, other than like well, call call him a dick. So then, I mean, then you have to you'd have to open up the whole can of worms with like the other psychics, and they just have the 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 twenties. The yeah, all yeah. The, the, mm. they call them the the twenties or the numbers. Okay, but they don't go into any of the other ones. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, it follows the same general plot line, right? The colonel uh, pulls in Tetsuo because he might be powerful, but he's also like, if this kid's too powerful, I'm going to do something about it. And then uh, Tetsuo is too powerful. So he's like, I'm going to do a coup, uh, <laughs> which is my solution to this problem. His, his coup uh, in the movie is so good. I, 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 it's really good. He's like, there's a guy who's like, the Supreme Council has decided that you're a criminal now. So you're no longer a colonel and you're going to jail. And he's like, shoot him. And then the guy next to him shoots that guy. And then all the other guards <laughs> are getting ready to like fight him. And he's like, this is no time for idle shooting of each other. We need to band together. <laughs> Go back and arrest the council. I'm in charge now. I'm declaring martial law. And they're all just like, okay. <laughs> I mean, sure. Okay. That so he, is, he declares he a, a coup and martial law. He doesn't at the same like time. try to explain himself. He doesn't like go out of his way to be like, listen, this is an emergency right now. There's this the war child that we need to stop. No, he's just like. This is no time for for squabbling. You you will listen to me now, and everyone's just like, yeah, all right, uh, all right. I, I'm in charge. Yeah, no, they they have like a whole a whole thing in the manga where he's like, all right, I need you to get me, you know, all of these like top brass of the military. Mm-hmm. We're gonna make sure that they're backing me. Yeah. And in the movie, they're kind of like, we gotta go. It's just he's in charge now. Yeah. A little I less mean, espionage. It's a lot. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, it has a lot more like Full Metal Alchemist War Games thing, which is another thing you don't really get in a lot of the like movie adaptations because mm-hmm. it it gets complicated. And I'll be quite frank, <laughs> I don't think that that people who make manga have a particularly strong idea of the actual like things that go into making <laughs> how a coup. To do a coup. No. Yeah. No. So like it's, it is, it takes a lot of artistic liberties, but it's fine. Like uh, we're not, we're not going to judge it based on that. That's, that's good. If anything, I'm glad that he's just like, we're doing a coup now. And everyone's like, great. Okay, cool. <laughs> I love that. Um, and then uh, as, as CJ said earlier, the, the other thing that is different is that 
when Tetsuo opens that giant uh, <laughs> absolute mm -hmm. zero container below mm -hmm. the Olympic Stadium, all they find in there are like scientific test tube body parts of Akira that remain. Oh. Mm -hmm. they're, they're, and then the colonel, the colonel's like, is this what you wanted, Tetsuo? When Akira, when when they explode, do a big explode, we the scientists tore them apart and did every scientific experiment and these are all the pieces that were left and they were like oh we we decided that the thing to do was to preserve all of these genetic pieces of him and we were going to preserve them for the future because we knew that we couldn't handle this technology right now but we decided we would hold on to it until humanity was ready Okay. Which which was very surprising by like when I was watching it because I was like, isn't I felt like the characters namesake? I expected there to be a boy inside because that's what Ethan yeah. told me would yeah. happen. But uh, I mean, and no. you can you can imagine it would have been what? a similar <laughs> surprise for any fan of the manga, right? Oh, because, wait, wait, wait a second. <laughs> oh my uh, goodness! So it was just it yes. was just a bunch of canisters with like his brainstem and his eyeballs and stuff in it. So in the moving. In the movie, Akira doesn't like exist. We'll get like, it there, exists, Fran. But it doesn't because exist. as I yeah. as I said, we have Something this chase? we have this chunk, and then we slurp the ending from all the way to the end of the manga and just stick it on here. Yeah, I do. Wanna, okay, so in I the manga, Akira can, gets torn apart. I do want to see so how we Ethan will, brings us there. We'll find out. Oh. So let's get back to where we were in the manga, which was Akira is alive. Number 26's brains were blown out all over his face mm -hmm. and he went off in a massive explosion. Mm -hmm. uh, Kaneda is absorbed in the blast. You know, another huge chunk of Neo Tokyo is destroyed and we are now in like this post-apocalyptic state as uh, Tetsuo finds Akira in the... Uh, rubble afterwards, right? So we still have two of the 20s, right? Yes. Yeah. Tw 25 20. and 27, Masaru yeah. and Kiyoko. Okay. And 26 is dead. Mm -hmm. Yep. 26 is, is the is first dead. one that we ran into. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> literally. <laughs> oh, literally. Okay. okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Come on. Okay. So we do a couple week time skip, right? Let's so let's have fun. Sure. We're two weeks into the post-apocalyptic world now. I would say Again. that is like out of order. World War Three happened and, but, already. But yeah, they were just like explosion, then the entirety of World War Three plus like twenty more years, <laughs> and now we start the story. So that's fine. Let's just another explosion. I don't know. Everyone was sad for <laughs> a while. Two weeks, two two weeks itself, this time. Not very something interesting. Something like that. So this time. We have, uh, we, so we've got just like the blasted out remains of Neo Tokyo. And in it, we have a bunch of just ambling people trying to survive. And we have these two major factions. Um, on the Eastern side, we have Lady Miyako and her temple. And she has created this refuge for all of the sick and the wounded. She seems to have like a bunch of like food and supplies and stuff that she's able to dole out to people. And on the other side, we have the great Tokyo empire in the West. 
What? Uh, in okay. two weeks? In two weeks, we have the Great Tokyo Empire. <laughs> so this, so, this, this does remind me that everything in like the first part took over the horse of like three days. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. every everything. <laughs> all all of the like protests in the movie were all like anti-imperial protests. Is that a similar? Did did they just all get uh, squashed and then they're like, we're doing real imperialism now? <laughs> so yeah, the um. The revolutionaries that are in the the first half that we had there, yeah, they they are like against the imperialism and control that the government is uh, pressing on everybody, right? Uh, the Great Tokyo Empire is a little bit different. It's it's pretty good. The Great Tokyo Empire is uh, led by Lord Akira, and. By which I mean, they have this little boy who they have now dressed up in, like, he's got, like, a little cape, and somewhere they found a bunch of, like, military uh, medals that they just put across him. Probably on all the corpses. Maybe from some corpses. Did did Tetsuo have a cape at this point in the... Did he wear a little cape in the the anime? He is... He is just now starting to wear the cape. Okay, because it was, Uh, it was, like... He was going on a war rampage, but it, I did make me laugh because he's a little cringe lord, and he's like crushing tanks with his mind as he's like walking through the the city streets, and then he just like picks up a big red rag that's on the ground, and then he wears it like a cape, and he's like, <laughs> and then he just keeps doing yeah. what he's doing. You would you would do the I same would, thing. I would, but it's just such a. He's like coming into the height of his power, and he's like, "Lol, this looks epic." Like, exactly. Um. But yes, they are. The, he is also coming into the height of his power here because while the uh, the Great Tokyo Empire is led by uh, Akira, he's he's the figurehead boy that just kind of sits in a big throne that they have. Mm. Well, that's because uh, Akira can't be. It, he's still the boy who doesn't do anything, right? Right. Yeah. He is. He is pretty much a blank slate. Yeah. Uh, and so. We have uh, actually running the show when he feels like it is Lord Tetsuo. And mm. he is, you know, kind of the, the main power when they want something blown up, they go for him. But then there is this new character. Uh, he's a guy who works for Tetsuo and he is sort of like the prime minister or whatever. He's the one who actually does all the work and he's like trying to exert power and control by Mm -hmm. having that position. Uh, But the thing that I truly love is that in like at least 1,200 pages of the manga, this guy is a major character who they never give a name. Seriously? He's just (laughs) Tetsuo's aide and... Like, basically, nobody ever talks to him. He talks to people. So no Mm. one ever says, hey, name, insert name here. (laughs) So we're going to call him. oversight. Yeah, we'll call him Jim. I like that. I think that'll work fine. I I wish more things did that, quite honestly. I'm not very good with names. I would (laughs) rather just address them by, I guess, a physical feature or their title or just never addressing them. That's how you avoid misgendering people. Forget their names immediately. 
and just call them, <laughs> hey, you. <laughs> What's up, buddy? Hello. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> I have two follow up questions. One, do they still need drugs to keep their powers at bay? And I feel like the explosion might have just destroyed all those facilities, depending on how far away they are. And two, Lady Miyako apparently is a refuge for all like the sick and stuff. Wasn't she denying people entry into her temple? They weren't sick enough. When like the coup was happening. Too healthy. And she's just like, mm, you guys don't need to come in. <laughs> it's it's the same rules for uh, getting like welfare. If you if you are t- if you are too healthy and make too much money, no sir. I don't I don't particularly remember talking about that part, but oh, there was you, told, you mentioned that like people were like trying to get in. To so there's there's like, like no, there's like an an early early section where uh her like underling people you know the like monks and all such that work for her are like this is a holy place and only holy people get to come uh, in here okay. and then the apocalypse start happening and she is she she goes into lady boss mode and she's like open up all the gates let all the people in okay. like we're done with this shit so she wasn't denying people entry her people were yeah got it okay um now for the drug thing uh fran they have more drugs than ever before awesome. it's been 2 weeks <laughs> Who? Been, how are they able to accelerate a Fran, uh, industrial? Uh, Fran, have you ever seen a meth quickly? lab? You can set one of those up in about four not. hours. I have not seen a meth lab, so. So let me tell you what I the ones I've we're, we're, see, uh, seen easy, easy to manufacture, <laughs> easy to make. We're we're gonna say that there's probably a little bit of meth labbing going on. But I think it also comes down to that uh, when Tetsuo got all of his follower people together, he was like, this is the building what they did all this tests on psychics on. Please go raid this and take all of the drugs that you can find in here. Mm. Uh, but can they make more? So um, it is it has never gone over specifically whether they can make more or not, but okay. they do not there's have just, a problem with running okay. out of drugs. There's just enough supply for the duration of... Indeed. In fact, Fran, in fact, their current uh, bid for control is that they, uh, any kind of, like, relief group, like the Red Cross, you know, helicopters, supplies in, the Great Tokyo Empire captures them and steals all of the supplies and then uh, gives them to their followers heavily laced with drugs awesome. lots and lots of stimulants classic that is and so, i mean that's a way to exert control yeah that's such a, i get it that's such a germany move <laughs> um and so yeah the uh the great tokyo empire is a lot less sick and wounded people and a lot more like young impressionable men who are blown out of their mind on stimulants right mm. uh Okay. And then Tetsuo is also, he's using this to make himself a bit of a psychic empire, right? Because basically what he does is he laces all of the food with the regular drugs. And then if anybody starts to show like an inkling of the psychic power, he gives them the real shit. And, Mm. you know, 95% of them die. But that other 5%... 
they become some psychic minions. Oh, Ethan, this uh, is that's the plot a good way of, to call them out. This is the plot of Glass, kinda. Is it? That's awesome. I mean, it, he he was manufacturing a bunch of wide scale terrorist events. Oh yeah, to see if, to see if anyone had superpowers. <laughs> I guess it's a little bit like that, except it is trying to like give the superpower. But anyway, um, so we do have a bun like there are now a bunch of like you know halfway's powerful psychics that are working under Tetsuo here, Tetsuo and Jim, uh, <laughs> who just have like they have weird powers. They can't do things good. It's worth noting, like. This is a pretty crapshoot way that Tetsuo is going about it, right? Like the yeah. doctors in the facility, they you know they have a bunch of these where it's like, oh, I can see based on these readouts here, we should push him up to level ten in these regard, you know. Yeah. And like yeah. Tetsuo is like, I'm going to give people with psychic powers very hard drugs and see what happens. To be fair, to be fair. Um, I'm assuming most of the doctors are dead. Um, uh, all but one, perhaps. Oh, uh, and uh, how how else is he gonna one exert control of the masses and two help himself out? I feel like this is the most efficient way that he can do it this time. Is it? Is I'm it, not too it mad. It's a very it. capitalist move to create a problem <laughs> and then sell the solution. So I like this. Yeah, yeah I love it. Um, but uh, so it's it's pretty great. Like all of the psychics who are under him are just weird dudes. Uh, there's yeah. this one. The the one who probably pops up the most, he's named Birdman, and he <laughs> just uh, he sits on this like very high spot in the middle of the Great Tokyo Empire, uh -huh. and he has like uh, clairvoyance, so he can just see like everything that is going on in huh. the vicinity, and then just like broadcasts into people's brains like uh, okay. there is someone disloyal in our midst I see. like shit like that when that's you, nice. when that's you said helpful. there was a guy who could just sit on a tall building and see everything I that's happening perching. i was like yeah that's <laughs> that's anyone with eyes i guess <laughs> but i guess the psychically transmit to the rest of the team is is and unique see everything yeah he see he see real far and good okay um but uh but okay, so that's what's going on in Neo Tokyo right now. Now you might be asking yourself, isn't there more to Japan than Tokyo? I, Where are the rest of the relief like groups and such? I, but you said the blast was small, so yeah. ish. And based on my knowledge that I obtained from Japanese anime, no, I don't think there's other places besides Tokyo. <laughs> there's the, well, there's the Kanto region, and, right? And, and maybe the Johto region. And there's the- That can't be that far. There's the past- They're right next to each other. Where there was that time when they took all the swords, but that's the only- Those are the only things I know. All right, well, it's a little bit bigger than Neo Tokyo. Okay. Uh, and you would, you would think that they would be sending people in after the blasts and such, but here's the thing. If you remember from last time when a big explosion went off, shit went south really fast. And what uh, happened? Yeah, so we're not we're on the precipice of World War 4 right now. Oh. Which is to say it's only been like half 30 years. <laughs> okay. But <laughs> 
if tensions are high during the Cold War and then like a nuke thing goes off and people are like, oh, someone fired off a nuke. So they fire off a bunch more nukes. There's that. But then they just got off of World War Three. It was like 20 years ago. And they're like, it was 40 years ago. Okay. And they're like, who is going to, who's going to retaliate? They just, it's, they bombed the center of Tokyo. Who's going to be like, oh no, Tokyo got bombed. And if Tokyo's not going to blow someone up, why why would we do it? If anything, Tokyo should blow, or whatever left Japan should blow stuff up. So I'm assuming one thing is that there is the government still cooed at this uh, time. Is dead. there a government? They yeah, are they're dead. dead it's right? A, it's a pigeon. It's a pigeon government. So there's no government happening so, in like coo- Japan. It's like coo- so, cooed government. Yeah. It's like because yeah. they're pigeons. So <laughs> it's very good, CJ. And then uh, what? And then. <laughs> Two in real life, the time between World War One and World War Two actually wasn't that. It long, was all right. So. Fair enough. That was different though, because that was <laughs> uh, something about not with nuclear arms. Something okay. about Reichs. You, you guys are overthinking this a whole lot. All right, fine. Uh, so the yeah, the federal government of Japan is destroyed. Dead. Right now, you would think that some other like Japanese be, they would be stepping in. But uh, as soon Ooh. as this happened, uh, I mean, there's a lot of other big cities in Japan. I was doing no. a joke before. It's not no. just Neo Tokyo. But the thing is, the Russians are currently conquering northern Japan and claiming what? that they are like sending in relief oh. forces and they're just like taking over. The- and they're sleeping Ameri- in Hokkaido up there. Right. And America, America has sent their fleet outside oh. Tokyo and they're like, we're pretty ready to do a war, but we're not quite ready to do a war yet. So this is really more of a Korean, classic America. Vietnam, quote unquote, it's, war. Yeah, Chi- it's China the apparently classic. asleep at the wheel on this one. You'd think they would be the first <laughs> ones to be like, ooh, yum, yum, yum. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be, I, I think we should have predicted the rise of China in the 80s, but to be fair, this being written in the 80s, they were like, oh. well, fucking Mao Zedong assholes in charge. Like, sure. shit, shit is not going they, well for them. They're currently starving. Right. China's a more recent superpower. <laughs> That's fair. Enough. Right. We're introduced to the American fleet, and there is this American admiral who's leading them. Oh, there's more characters would... to keep track of? Sorry. He, oh, no. We're not going to talk about them too much. Okay. But he would really like to go in there guns blazing. The Matthew uh, Perry. American. It's a very it's a very good joke. No, not the Matthew Perry from Friends, you plebeian. It is a different guy. He's a captain. He went into Japan. Look it up. I don't know. I can't tell you everything. <laughs> so he would really like to go in but he has this group of scientists that have been sent to advise him uh, from the Amer- the Americas. And they're like, hey, so we have all heard like rumors of this Akira stuff. And we thought that that was all made up bullshit. But then Neo Tokyo exploded. So <laughs> now we think you should really not do this. Mm. Uh, and so they're trying to convince him to cool it. And it is one of my absolute favorite things they're like, we've got, you know, the top American scientists. We've got a couple of like Russian defector scientists, like the top of the line and such. And then we did also invite a Tibetan Lama. 
because we figured he would know something about the psychic magic stuff. <laughs> okay. Now, okay, before I was doing a goof, but now the lack of any Chinese involvement is very strange. I mean, how else, who, I mean, that's the first one you think of, obviously, is who's going to help us with weird psychic shit that we thought was bullshit? Ah, yes. I, let's I, get, let's get to Dalai Lama over here. Is the here. Dalai Lama psychic? Did he sense, like... <laughs> poison in that child's tongue and he was like i have to suck it out it's the only way oh no oh, oh no God, I, dude. what that's like a no. year old now People oh no <laughs> there's there's a lot that happens in the news cycle these days yeah, i know oh, so, that was something i put at the back I of my just want to remind people that that is a thing that happened at one point <laughs> that, that is yeah. a thing that happened uh okay okay now all right now i need to move on so while all of, while all of this is going on, uh, where are our other main characters at? Well, Kay presumed and dead. <laughs> some of them are presumed dead, but Kay and our surviving revolutionary friends are alive, and they have number twenty seven and twenty five with them. Well, uh, so Kay, I understand being alive because she was like their medium, so I assume that they kind of like protected her almost from the blast. They protected pretty close to the blast zone. She was pretty close to the blast zone. Number 27 and number 25 saved, like, everybody they could who was in the general mm. vicinity of the blast zone okay. there, um, which included Kay and a couple of the revolutionary friends and uh, the colonel also. Mm-hmm. So uh, the revolutionaries are no longer revolting against the government. They're now going to revolt against the great empire of Neo-Tokyo. I mean, right now, they're going to revolt against the fact that the two characters I'm talking about are women, and we're in a post-apocalyptic state where uh, oh. things would be going very bad for them if they weren't violent badasses. Mm. Okay. So, sure. You know, the huge. Yeah, that works. Mm. Uh, so they're struggling to survive, and they're also having a hard time because while the Great Tokyo Empire has a shit ton of drugs, they do not. And Masaru and Kyoko, the numbers, they're not doing good anymore. Oh, yeah. They do need those. They That's need those things. Well, um, considering they're, like, distributing and, like, swimming in the supplies, you'd think that there would be some rogue drugs. Are they going to heist? They should probably do a heist. Uh, they're, not gonna do, they're not going to do a heist. Uh, they are, they are going to say they, they sort of sent their feelers out, and they're like, uh, Kay, you need to get to Lady Miyako. She mm. will have the drugs that we need. We fucking need those drugs so bad. Got it. Because um, presumably Miyako would also need those drugs because she's also one of the psychics, right? She's number 19, right? She's number 19, yes. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. So yeah, we will uh, sort of condense a solid, like, five chapters of them going back and forth throughout the wasteland to say they get there to Miyako and she says, oh, hey, that's rad. I'm glad to see you. Here are the drugs. Go back and get uh, the numbers and bring them here now. Yeah. What? Why did she just bring the numbers with them? Because they're suffering uh, from withdrawal of drugs. Yeah, they are, yeah, they are basically, just... they are both like useless and destructive at this point. Then uh, how is she supposed to go back? Oh, wait, hold on. So she gave 
K the drugs. She's going to take the drugs to the numbers and then bring the numbers back yeah. to Miyako. Yeah, it's yeah. like, got the, it. It's I like, thought she was telling them, go get the numbers and bring them here and I'll give them the drugs. I'm right. like, well, then that mm-hmm. just, we're just going to repeat what we No, just it's like the riddle with the fox and the hen and the, and the <laughs> yeah. seed and the, and the, the boat. Stimulants. And, you, you're yep. right, and you can't put the stimulants with the drug <laughs> users because they'll eat them all. But you can't can't have the drug users with the cake blow them up. So you gotta like coordinate. It's a it's a tough problem to solve. Right. Uh so meanwhile we'll get we'll we'll get to what Tetsuo's doing. I wanna say so Tetsuo, he's still a pretty villainous character, right? But he's not really in the business of being uh, confronted anymore. Tetsuo I'm also stu- confused about his like motivation at this point because uh, I was really already confused about his motivation other than you guys called me small, so I'm gonna show you. What's he doing <laughs> now? Like, what? what is his purpose at this point? Like, why... I, yeah, I, what I is mean... He, what is he being angry at at this point, I guess? So he's not particularly angry at anything right now. From his perspective, things are going pretty good. He is now the sort of de facto leader of a small nation of worshipers. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, I mean, it definitely gives a sense that uh, it is more Jim's idea to set up this like big nation. And he's like, and everyone will think that you're very cool and do whatever mm-hmm. you say. And Tetsuo's like, okay, that sounds awesome. Let's do that. Uh, I love that Jim doesn't get a name. And yet. <laughs> is Jim it, Jim it is. Let that be a lesson uh, to the rest of you elites out there. You're not supposed to be putting yourself in the spotlight. You're supposed to be enjoying all the benefits of modern royalty and not threatening to punch each other out on a stage. That's so new money. <laughs> It's it's really really a bad look. So it's just it makes it stupid. makes you look poor. It does make you look poor. <laughs> um. So Tetsuo, he is you know he's enjoying being quite literally worshipped. Uh. But on the other hand, he is having nightmares, and we are talking bad nightmares like accidentally exploding the brains of his harem ladies in the night bad. Oh. Interesting. Most people in a position of power have those same dreams, but do not consider them nightmares. (laughs) They they like that kind of power, Fran. (laughs) They like like that shit. Mm. Um, So he, uh, after a little time, he figures out that these nightmares are coming from Akira. And so he uses his, um, you know, his like mind reading abilities to peer into Akira's mind. And that is a big mistake. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like Akira's brain is not the one you want to go in because there's a reason why that child is not talking and doesn't do anything. (laughs) There's a lot happening in there. So while he's doing that, the colonel is still alive. He's got that last scientist that we talked about still working for him. And he does have control of the remaining caretaker robots we talked about last time. Oh, yeah. The caretaker um, robots. So he has uh, he staked online. out. 
He staked out a place in the destructed uh, Neo Tokyo, and he's making this last scientist guy, like, sort of, you know, rig up a system so that they can get back control of Seoul, our laser satellite. And, uh, Wait, how's he controlling the robots, then? Uh, the robots, it's very funny. He's just like... All of all of the high ups and elites, like we could just voice command those robots. Oh. That's that's for the poor's to deal with. That's gotcha. That's fun. No backup in case anything happens to them. Yeah, I mean, why? <laughs> well, not? they are supposed to be autonomous if the world explodes because they didn't mm-hmm. want anybody on their soil. On their Which ladies. they're not doing a great job at stopping because. Russia's invading the North and America's coming. Yeah, the fuck so. every you plan for this. Where's the and rest of the caretaker <laughs> robots? Sucks, dude. They were they were like uh, you know the first run of these. We don't have quite enough for the entire nation yet, but mm. it is the the caretaker robots numbers are dwindling because it turns out that while they were made to be resistant against uh, nuclear bombs, they were not really made to be resistant against psychics that can just kind of uh, oh. squish them. Mm. I, um, I guess you would think they would have- It's a bit of an oversight. Yeah, I don't know. Psychic seems OP in this lineup. You would think Steel would resist it or like, I don't know. This- the the rest of this story for our number one psychic Tetsuo is not about like, oh, I am in danger from my enemies. It is about like uh the journey of becoming a god. Oh, great. Oh. Sort of man sort of shifting from man versus man to man versus god, and then eventually man Flat versus itself? nature. <laughs> It is right the the shift of, from man versus man literal to man versus man oh, metaphorical. Oh, oh man, that's just a little, it's a little building joke. It's fine. You're not Thank supposed you. to yeah, supposed to laugh at it. Really it's supposed good. to move us on. So yeah, the colonel, his plan has not changed very much. He's like, I will uh not miss with soul this time, and then it will be fine. Which is fair. Uh, you would. I would say it is a space laser. If you're gonna have a space laser, I I've I've given it some thought. You should make it pretty accurate. Like I I, <laughs> I mean, it's pretty accurate. It's Ten meters. Like, it's like pr- like holy shit. But like you're <laughs> from space. You're making it. Yeah, but like my cell phone can figure out where I am within like <laughs> two inches. Just put that technology on the big satellite that costs like a trillion dollars or whatever. I I think the fix really should have been they should just make the laser beam wider. Or just because then uh, the margin of error is taken care of if it's just a bigger beam. Just bigger lasers. Or just put it on Earth. Or multiple lasers. Why not just have no, it? CJ, as a big that's turret? so lame. Well okay. they have that's laser so guns. So lame and boring, right, CJ. They have right, laser whatever. guns. Yeah, sure. You're right. <laughs> a, a space laser that that, work. <laughs> that can't aim very good and also can't move. So it's just above <laughs> Japan forever. Yeah, that's better. It's impressive I that they can just keep it there, honestly. I think it's honestly. pretty awesome. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, Tetsuo, he's been having a bad time since he looked into Akira's mind. He is, yeah. like, having some freakouts. And so he, uh, he does an interesting move. He teleports himself in to Lady Miyako's chambers, and he's like, can you please tell me 
what the hell Akira is because I am very scared right now. Uh, okay. And, Interesting. Uh, yeah, and she's like, yeah, no problem, bro. Uh, <laughs> I will, I'll tell you all the things that you want to know. Yay, exposition. Woo! And so she does She does a good lore dump on him. Love and it. we'll we'll keep it pretty simple, but she basically explains the concept that uh the when the universe was created, that was a powerful thing what happened, right? Okay. And all things that still exist are a manifestation of the power. And the psychics, uh, all they're able to do is they are able to tap into the power. Right. And okay. so the way the way that she describes it is that the uh the power is like a flowing river, right? And all all of the humans that exist, they're just kind of like specks that exist within it getting pulled along by the current. Mm -hmm. Uh psychics have a little more control and they're able to make a little splish splash here and there, but Akira has climbed ashore and is Ooh. no longer controlled by the river. Okay. And okay. uh she says, uh Tetsuo, you have the potential to be as powerful as Akira, the power you you could control the power like he does, if you can give up the drugs. Oh! If you've noticed, oh. Akira doesn't take those drugs, and uh, mm. while the like withdrawal from uh, not having those seems to almost kill a lot of the psychics who uh, are currently taking them, like number twenty-seven, number twenty-five. If you can get past that, you will find uh, power unmatched. This has a lot of like Buddhism energy. Is this a Buddhism <laughs> metaphor? Uh, so that's a good question, CJ. Anyway, okay. Uh, <laughs> Tetsuo's like, yeah, that sounds pretty awesome. I like the idea of being uh the most powerful, and so. He is now going to spend a huge chunk of our story just trying to uh, survive withdrawal from these no longer taking these drugs, right? Okay. Um, this is this a funny... not the turn I was expecting from the smock. <laughs> I will be honest. I don't think any of this stuff is going to be the turns that you are expecting. I will be honest with you. Did he? Did the author plan this in advance, or was he just kind of like writing off the seat of his pants every two weeks? You know, uh, like broad strokes of this were planned. Yes, okay. and it's the kind of thing we can we can talk a little bit about the moral of the story at the end. I'll it is, that. Yeah, <laughs> it can be a little hard for people to digest because it is not. It's not what we traditionally use as moral of the stories. Uh, oh goodness! Not a not a straight and narrow like good always wins or you should uh, I don't know pay taxes. I don't. It's, it's a little bit different. <laughs> That's my okay. least favorite moral of the story. I hate it when they put that in the Mario movie. 
He's like, oh, I'm a, I'm gonna pay my taxes. Oh, brother, I think you should pay your taxes. And then they I'm go just... on a great adventure to learn that they should indeed pay their taxes. They they have to escape down the rainbow road, but oh no, there's a bunch of holes and stuff in it because it hasn't been <laughs> it hasn't been managed. So many well. potholes. And he says, oh, no, if only we would have, if only large corporations paid taxes to update our infrastructure that we all use to stimulate the economy. <laughs> Mama fucking Mia. Okay, so let's get to our most important character, Jim. Mm -hmm. uh, he does mm -hmm. sound Jim... important. <laughs> <laughs> so he's so weirdly important to not have a fucking name. But Jim is... Uh, he is losing more and more control of the great Tokyo Empire, right? Because he basically was like bringing people together by saying, hey, we've got these two psychic god beings here. You should be on our side. And now one of them is refusing to respond to anyone because he's in like complete withdrawal. And the other one is a child who kind of just like sits there and refuses to respond to uh, any <laughs> stimulus at all. Yeah. Uh, so they've been losing more and more of their followers to Lady Miyako because it turns out that the prospect of just like free food and care for the sick is better than like, you know, drug laced food and let's all go on crazy rampages. Wait, so it is about paying your taxes? And big government? Uh, exactly. You're exactly right, Fran. Oh shit. Uh, and just and just like that, he decides I'm I'm gonna do a, a revolution against these damn taxpayers. Uh so he he decides he's gonna get his followers back from Miyako. He's gonna stop this Miyako bullshit by uh getting all of his drugged up followers a bunch of guns and they are going to go uh, destroy the temple and kill everybody around there. So at that point, we start a pretty big and crazy battle between the army of the Great Tokyo Empire, which is a combination of like drugged Drug up addicts. teenagers with guns yeah. and uh, weird half-psychics, uh, and then Lady hmm. Miyako's group, who are... Mostly like her monks who also all have like low level psychic powers, like those ones we had talked about before. Mm -hmm. And also like Kay is there helping them now, who seems to kind of carry like 90% of every fight that she's in. Yeah, but they, uh, just because they have low level psychic power, they still have guns, right? Like they have... the, the monks do not have guns. They're like, no. I don't know, man. Well, then it kind of feels like they're so... not set up to win very well. Is Jim aware that Miyako is a is one of the psychics, or is he I don't just like so. fuck that lady? Um, okay. I don't think so. But uh, Miyako does not fight them. She has a pretty constant issue where she is like, uh, "You, all of you monks who worship me, need to stop fussing about me." And they're like, "Quick, quick, get her to safety and let more of the innocent people die and such." Like, ah. you're too important, Lady Miyako. She's like, get, um, get, get. I'm so, <laughs> yeah, we do have a, we have a pretty big battle here. The, the forces of the great Tokyo empire, despite having all of the guns are losing pretty hard to the power of a bunch of monks and main character, uh, K syndrome. 
And are so, they laser guns or normal guns? Mo- normal guns. Ah, uh, see, that's the problem. Yeah, we'll we'll laser get back guns. to some laser guns a little later. Mm. The Great Tokyo Empire is uh, looking pretty bad at this point. They're trying to escape by burning the settlements of the sick and wounded and such, right? Uh, Like you do. Classic retreat maneuver. Um, Innocents are dying left and right, Mm -hmm. but the fighting Mm -hmm. stops when Tetsuo, who is at this point not really even able to control where he is at any given time. His teleportation abilities are kind of just going off on their own. Uh, He pops up above this fight and he goes off in a mini Akira event. Oh. Uh, so he he lets off this huge explosion, uh, but interestingly, instead of things getting sucked in and destroyed like they did with the, uh, the first explosion, uh, stuff is pouring out of him, and we see they are like what? the buildings and pieces uh, from that last explosion. Right. And, oh. And and just we to, know just to like what? make sure aesthetically we're in the right spot right now. When Akira explodes, it's like a big black hole, right? And then when this happens, is it a big white hole? Uh the colors would be difficult for me to say. I last saw it on the comic. <laughs> Note, um, this joke is in black and white. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, the, uh, the important thing is that uh, when he releases these energies, parts from the last explosion come out, and we know this for sure because uh, Kaneda pops out with them. And what? Oh, yeah. I didn't realize Kaneda had been... Sucked, sucked in. in. He was slurped. I see. So was he alive when he came out? He he is alive also. Oh and brother, I like... been some places. <laughs> um. Also, other question: Did he condone Jim attacking Miyako's temple, or is that something again? Jim he just was. Did? He was like fucking like freaking yeah. out in yeah. uh complete withdrawal okay. just like get the fuck away from me or i will explode your head right now right. got it okay cool and then he comes around and out Ex- explodes himself yeah, yeah. outplodes okay. himself all right um so uh connie is back out he's like Whoa, that was uh pretty crazy. I am glad to be here now. And boy are my <laughs> arms tired. Anyway, what's going on out here? Is he just so, like unscathed too? He is he is unscathed. He is like, I feel like time passed and something very heavy happened, but also I have no fucking idea. Did he just like <laughs> after, extrude after a I skyscraper from his brain also? Yes. Just like a full blown building, just like yeah. Whoop. I mean, he is he is like yeah, black orb exploding outward. So it's not like it's just slurping out of his head, but okay. it is yeah, like just this explosive hole comes out, and then a bunch of skyscrapers like pop, fall out of it. Upright, 
Like, is this uh, just like a copy, no, like a cut and paste it doesn't situation? Stack them back up where they were. It's just they, just the material. I don't know. The That's mater- what I'm asking. The material is ejected yes, back out. The material okay. is ejected. I was kind of imagining just like a cut and paste, like circle. That shape, would be basically. very silly, and I would like that, but I don't Wild. think the, it's that's the aesthetic we're going that, for. That here. would be pretty funny, but that is not how it goes down. Kaneda is, uh, he's, he's here now. He's, he's back with Kei's with Lady Miyako here. The, um, the forces of the great Tokyo empire have now fully backed off because holy shit, our commander just exploded above there. Uh, Tetsuo is feeling great. He, he just got past the, the last of his withdrawal symptoms. And he's like, I think I'm pretty much a God now. And also, I understand what Akira is. And before, I kind of did the, like, fake subservience thing. Like, this is my, uh, you know, our puppet leader or whatever, our, our leader figure. But now I legitimately worship this child. Oh, interesting. Okay. So, so he just had to get rid of all the random crap that was in his brain. And he was good. Again. Like, like skyscrapers. Again, much like a, a night out of debauchery. You really have a lot of like pain inside of you, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of like you keep exploding things around you, you keep punching walls and putting holes in them, and then you just <laughs> let it all out one way you or another. Out, you feel better, and you feel a lot better, and you get a lot more clear headed. Yeah, I was thinking more of the hangover the next day part. Well, that, that's what he was going through, but then you know he reset. He had a he had a big glass mm-hmm. of water. He had some mm-hmm. gator gator light, which is <laughs> a new thing now. Um, and he's yeah, he's good. Leveled up from Pedialyte. Yeah. Well, that's uh, I'm not gonna get into it, but I will say, <laughs> I I am not a big fan of companies gendering their products. I don't think we need different gendered stuff, and I'm not a, a big fan of companies aging their products. I don't think they should be like, hey, this drink that rehydrates you for babies or these pants that stop you from peeing a little bit and your pants are for old people i think it should just be (laughs) you just market it to whoever wants you know whatever anyone wants they can have it doesn't matter if you're a baby or an old person or that's just the life you live We should just have sizes and no other marketing. (laughs) I agree, Ethan. Finally, someone's just said what everyone's thinking. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. So, for Lady Miyako right now, I mean, yeah, a whole bunch of innocent people, like a whole bunch of innocent people just died. But Mm -hmm. otherwise, things are going pretty well. Uh, <laughs> she finally she finally gets uh, Masaru and Kyoko to her. Ah. Uh, she's also got Kay with her, and mm-hmm. also Kane does there, which I okay, cool. Um, so her plan, stop me if you've heard this one before, is she will combine her powers with Masaru and Kyoko using Kay as the medium, so that they mm-hmm. can all work together and take down Tetsuo. Ah. And she says, this will work this time because I kind of bullshitted Tetsuo a little bit earlier. Oh. What these drugs do, what these like intense stimulants do is, you know, they they take human beings to another level, right? Like 
think X-Men bullshit where they're like, mm-hmm. oh, it's the, the next state of human evolution shit. Sure. Um, they take humans to the next level and that allows them to access the power, right? Right. But the thing is, once you let the power in, uh, the only thing that is keeping them human are these drugs. Uh, this is, it has gone from like heightening their humanity to access to the power to heightening their humanity just enough that their humanity can survive being in contact with the power. So Akira does still take drugs then? Akira does not still take drugs. Akira at this point has nothing of himself left. He is power made conscious. Okay. And that's why he doesn't have any like affect. Mm -hmm. Got it. And he only explodes if you blow someone's brains out in front of him. He does. He. They say. They say he. He well, only the human part. responds to intense stimuli, and yeah. that's pretty much it. Same. <laughs> um, and so she says, like Tetsuo is going to lose himself to the power soon, and he'll be, uh, you know, very powerful at that point. But he will be, uh, you know, he'll no longer be like a target threat. He'll be like, uh, he'll be similar to Akira. Will be able to just uh, contain and deal with him, right? Uh, and she says, like, and that should just go like super smoothly as long as Tetsuo doesn't do anything <laughs> crazy, like use a vast amount of power all at once or something crazy like that. Sure. It was this. This was after he extruded all the buildings after right? after he exploded okay. yeah um, uh this yeah. seems flawed but <laughs> um i guess i'm confused as to why they're adamant about taking out tetsuo when he's on the path to becoming similar to akira because he would explode again like akira did oh, except but- maybe worse but then why aren't they trying to deal with Akira then? Is it because mm. they were together in the experiments and they feel feelings of I mean, sure, kinship? there's some of that, <laughs> but there is also just the fact that like there is no real way for them to get Akira away from the far, far, far more powerful psychic. Like okay. Yeah, and and like to bring this back into the realm of like this is an analogy. Uh, Akira is very powerful, but also very stable and generally mm. pretty inert. Um, mm. the, the biggest danger is a person, even if they had less power, but was more unpredictable. Okay. That makes sense. All right. So that is, that's Miyako's, uh, plan, right? And she's uh, convinced Kay to go along with it, and the numbers are going along with it. Kaneda is like, fuck that. He finds all of his, like, the surviving other bikers, which, you know, there's, like, a couple from his gang, and there's a couple from other gangs. And they're like, hey, we have been fixing up a bunch of, like, bikes from spare parts we found, and also we did find these military lasers. So maybe... (laughs) Finally. Finally, this is there what is. I was waiting for. Bikers with lasers. So they are like, we're going to do 
post-apocalyptic biker laser gang. Hell yeah. We will solve the problem that way. This is where, this is the aesthetic that I think about when I thought of Akira. So this must be the part everyone likes because this is the only part I see shit on. Except for the meme, which I saw in the movie where he's like, ah, and then it like cuts (laughs) to like furry porn or whatever. And then, you know, it's great. I... The wildest thing to me is that you had to bring that up twice. Uh, that's how it happens in the show, too, because then he also goes, ah! Then it happens again. Yeah, so. then, it's, then his guts fall out of his stomach. It does, uh. and then he pulls them back in, but it's just in his mind. But is it? It is. But, you yeah, know. it is. Jim is not pleased right now, because even though Tetsuo is back, Jim looks like a loser. He had yeah. a failed attack on, like, a temple. Mm-hmm. Of, like, sick uh, people. And they are, yeah, of sick people. And they're, so the Great Tokyo Empire is still losing more followers by the day, right? Yeah. So he, uh, he does a little bit of uh, cajoling and he convinces newly stable Tetsuo to hold an event. And he's like, what if you just make a big show of power to remind everyone but mm-hmm. why our side is the absolute coolest? Mm-hmm. Uh, huh. So, as as everyone is starting to converge here, they have this like big event. They gather the rest of the followers of the Great Tokyo Empire, and uh, it is a, a very good event. And CJ, this might sound familiar to you if you've uh, watched recent episodes of the Lore. You know, I have. Uh, Tetsuo is he's just kind of sitting there. He's like looking over the audience. And then he looks back to Akira and he says, the moon, my lord? And he looks up, Tetsuo flies up to the moon and he creates just a massive explosion on it, taking out about a quarter of the moon. Oh my God. <laughs> this, is, this is something from the Scott Pilgrim episode. Go ahead and watch that again, uh, or for the first time if you haven't seen it. And also, <laughs> this is... This is how <laughs> this is how Dr. Eggman asserts his authority in Sonic Adventure 2 <laughs> by blowing up half of the moon. And uh, Dr. Eggman got it. <laughs> he loves he loves anime. Um and uh fun fact about that, he blows up exactly half of the moon. Uh, and then mm. in later Sonic the Hedgehog games, you can see that the moon is very clearly visible in the sky. And the canonical in-universe reason for that is because the side that got blown up just isn't showing oh. towards the Earth. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> there you go. There's a little bonus lore for you. Oh, my God. I love that. <laughs> I'm glad we got that bonus lore in. Uh well, Tetsuo here, he only blows up about a quarter of the moon, awesome. creating this uh, massive explosion. And wouldn't you know it, it turns out that fucking with the moon actually messes with the tides on Earth Weird. pretty intensely. And yeah. uh, so, like we get some intense tsunami shit just going on all across Tokyo and presumably the rest of the world as well. This is yeah. uh, this is why we need a solid foundation of the physical sciences in school because even if you are only like a 17-year-old or whatever, you should know that blowing up a big part of the moon is probably going to fuck with a bunch of stuff. 
That's an important lesson that I learned in high school. <laughs> That's why. That should definitely be on all AP exams. About <laughs> you, you have become a god anime child and have decided to show a, a portion of your strength. Let us. Which of these following options would you choose? <laughs> to to show your Punch strength the moon with, so hard? without destroying the Earth's ecosystem. That's a good essay question. I like it. That's that's really good. Good college um, entrance exam, you know. If I, so, if I ever have a job posting or job interview, that's the question I'm going to ask to them instead of being like, <laughs> "What superhero do you think you are?" or what or anything yeah. like that. <laughs> you have gained godlike psychic powers and blown up a quarter of the moon. What happens? <laughs> what? Ooh, cause and effect. Ooh, that is, Critical thinking skills. That, some, that really does get. That is some college level stuff. Is that what? What was the first half explanation? Do not worry about that. What happens? <laughs> well, if you ask that, then they haven't uh, seen Akira, and they're not, you know, they're, man, they're, they're not fired. qualified anyway. Yeah. Uh, okay, so a lot of things happen at once here. Uh, Wait, vis-a-vis -vis the so moon blowing up, or just like the vis-a-vis -vis the moon okay, blowing yeah, up? That that tracks. The, wait, that this, would have some consequences. This is from Dragon Ball. Vegeta does that. Oh, no, uh, uh, Piccolo does Piccolo that. Piccolo does that. He just yeah. blows up the moon. I am, I am telling you, like, I haven't seen any articles about this, but having just recently watched the beginning of, like, the Dragon Ball Z transition, he cribbed a lot of stuff yeah. from, like, the Akira. Mm. Well, we need to do, well, maybe we'll do that in the comparison. Maybe if we ever get around <laughs> to doing Dragon Ball as an episode, if you want to see that, then post a comment and subscribe and like and tell us we're doing a good job, please, because it really means a lot to us. We really like to hear that kind of stuff. Yeah, and that's actually, that's fucking really nice. upvote, get us enough likes to 69, <laughs> and we'll oh, do an episode about fucking, I don't know, My Little Pony Part 2. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So, vis-a-vis -vis the moon. Right. Uh we have a lot of huge tidal waves going on. Yeah. Destroyed Neo Tokyo is not set up to handle a bunch of huge tidal waves going right. on. Plus it's like a big crater, so, yeah. so it's really gonna hold all the water in there. <laughs> it's a it's really a bad setup currently <laughs> awesome. for a bunch of tidal waves to go on. Why'd we build all of the new buildings <laughs> at the bottom? <laughs> So we just have a bunch of these people are getting like wiped out trying to get to higher ground trying to survive this shit which there uh, again you know, really isn't any because of the big hole that exists now. Uh dude, we're going to have some really rad like motorcycles uh out driving the waves that are coming to Hell crush yeah, them. Oh, yeah. of this, course. Is, this is just moonfall now. I love that shit. <laughs> Um, this is just like 2012, day after tomorrow. So it's gonna good. be. It's great. All those movies Meanwhile, are based on this. The Americans, if you remember, have their fleet right over there in the water. <laughs> I'm sure they're fine. The tsunami uh, waves don't get big until they get closer to shore, they, and shallower ground. So I think they'll be so, fine. Well, <laughs> maybe when the moon yeah, maybe, works. Yeah, I was gonna say maybe regular ones. <laughs> I don't know about these ones. Um, and so. The admiral guy is like, okay, this is fucked. 
we're gonna do some war crimes now. We're done with this shit. All right, fair enough. Uh, are they gonna war crime against the water or the moon? Like, what is <laughs> what is he trying to retaliate against? Uh, so Poseidon. all of his science, all of his scientists are like, we need to be very careful about this Akira thing because he's a power we don't understand. And the admiral is like. I have a lot of explosives, and I think that they could destroy Akira, and then we don't have a problem anymore. That is a classic doomsday movie trope of the commanding general who's just like, well, <laughs> let's just nuke it. Yeah, I mean, it is it is a classic trope specifically because of the Americans, and, uh, <laughs> and their, we'll, and we'll their approach to problem Americans. solving. Yeah. Yeah, this is uh, why you have to have that essay question mm -hmm. for any like you, candidates you need, coming into you need your the essay question. Uh, yeah, Miyako is like, oh no, that thing I said I hoped would not happen is uh happening right now. Right. Oh shit. And uh, Tetsuo, he he did a little bit too much, mm -hmm. and he is now struggling to hold on to any semblance of self. Right? So what remains of his consciousness starts blipping all over the place. And wherever it goes, the physical space around it, around it, around him, the ground, the metal, the wires, all of that starts to morph into flesh, Ooh. trying to become a proper vessel to hold unlimited power. Ooh. Gross. And so this is a result of the pills wearing off, not providing enough. So he substance he has, for all the power in him. Yeah, he has no more pills, and he is now just like opened the floodgates of power into himself. And what mm. remains of the human being Tetsuo is no longer enough to hold it back. Okay. And, and the power he, just wants to have a vessel. The Dude. power is just like expanding out. I believe it is like Tets Tetsuo is like unconsciously just like growing himself out, grasping at straws, trying to be enough to contain this power. Mm. Um, he does blip onto the um, uh, the American fleet, and oh. <laughs> we are lucky enough to have the Tibetan Lama there to explain to us that uh, the power has gone beyond him and is absorbing everything around them. And he's like, uh, the, 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 the fucking Admiral guy's like, where, where is he? And the, the Lama's just like, he is now this ship. We are inside him. And oh. then like the walls of the ship start morphing into flesh. Oh, ew, uh, gross. Okay, so this is where he gets all like Cronenberg'd. Right, and he he's uh, all he's like this, inflating and becoming a big flesh baby. This is uh this is the middle part before the flesh baby, but it is very Cronenbergy. Yes, uh, okay. got it. This again, this is just like all of the physical space around him is turning into flesh, mm. and uh, it is that's very upsetting. It's it's that it's is neat. upsetting. Yeah, yeah. is yeah, it's super cool. Yeah, love that. <laughs> <laughs> so when he blips away from the uh, American fleet, the admiral again, just being an analogy for America, is like, "How about 
I'm just going to say we carpet bomb Tokyo now. I am done with this thing. We, My I'm boat gonna is a boy now. Boat. I don't... I was going to say, is the boat now a flesh boat? Or does it like revert back to uh, its original state like, after he There's leaves? like bulbous sections of it like all over. It is awful uh, and uh, gross to look at. Um, but yeah, yeah he, is, he is in like his nightmare and he is just like, I when I am confronted by the unexplainable, I like to use uh, fire. <laughs> and so yeah. he is, uh, okay, the Americans American are ideal. now carpet bombing Tokyo. Oh, uh, oh, that's just happening now. Got yes, it. that's just <laughs> happening now. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> so What's the colonel up to these days, by the way? Does, does the, he have a space laser yet? The colonel's space laser is ready, but he is now having a little bit of a trouble pinpointing where Tetsuo is because Fair. he isn't anywhere very long. Mm. Um, and uh, I guess we'll just we'll just skip ahead to that because there's not a good point to bring it up. He does get like a halfway good shot in, but there isn't really a singular thing that you can call Tetsuo anymore. Mm -hmm. And what remains of Tetsuo, he is going to just teleport up to Seoul and then crash it down into the American fleet. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. oh my. This is, this is probably a good point to point out and also probably around the movie in the same area where things become metaphysical in that like fun, weird way that isn't very easy to show or tell. And so things are just kind of like happening <laughs> and you're just supposed to understand that it is kind of beyond your three-dimensional comprehension of how things work. Hmm. Which is always fun. It does always a good time. It does a better job, definitely, in the manga as opposed to the uh to the movie. Fair. We've got a little more time to flesh it out. Oh. Okay, Ethan. All right. <laughs> you know what? Just tell us what tell us what happens here, okay? <laughs> All right. So uh, I feel like Miyako's plan isn't gonna go great. It's not going great. Oh, Kay is trying to fight him, him, but she uh, she can't beat him. There, he keeps slurping flesh things. Yeah, uh, gross. Kaneda comes in and he gets some rad laser beam shot off. Oh, that's and right. There's laser bikes, mm -hmm. laser mm -hmm. biker gang now. Lest you forget. Uh, but uh, Kaneda is going to get slurped into Tetsuo's flesh. Mm -hmm. Oh. Uh, and then way over on the western side of Neo Tokyo, Akira, who has been completely passive this entire time, is suddenly uh, gets up and starts oh. walking to the east. And he wants to be where Tetsuo is. Okay. Power trying to find power. Hmm. And Situation. so, in a uh, in a big like final battle, Tetsuo seems to be uh, at this point he is in amorphous flesh baby mode. Yeah. Uh, Love that. Where yes, he has he has transformed into. Like specifically, he looked like a giant baby made out of many body parts. Oh, um, I'd hate. And when I, I say I, giant, I mean like I many that. stories tall. I'd hate. I'd hate, hate to see the the titty that feeds that. Just kidding. <laughs> I actually love to see. That. <laughs> oh. 
super gross. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Let me let me do this. Uh, so there's one part in the movie where the other psychics, the 20s, are trying to fight Tetsuo, and they they like manifest as like big toys. And the toys mm-hmm. like fire a milky white substance all over it. That part all was over very him. And I'm like, oh, they're coming on him. But then in the movie, <laughs> they specifically have to be like, oh, I'm covered in milk. And I'm like, that's not that much better, right? <laughs> that that part, CJ, is a movie exclusive. Thank God. That was very <laughs> weird. <laughs> It was um, a choice. It is. Once again, it, the manga. But the creator had that rattling around in his brain, so he he, he obviously was that. thinking about it. So maybe mm-hmm. he was thinking about a big giant flesh titty to feed this baby. I don't know. Maybe I'm more in tune now with him than we've ever been. Than ever before. Um Okay. So in a in a final in a final confrontation. Miyako, uh, she lets out a bunch of power to draw the amorphous flesh baby Tetsuo, uh, to her and to, uh, to where Akira is. Akira has come there. And, uh, when the two of them come together, they, uh, simultaneously unlock the largest Akira event yet seen. They both go off at the same time. Oh. Uh, now, if you remember, Kaneda is inside. He got uh, flesh-slorped. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, this is the not the first time. still similar to the previous yeah, one. this is not the first time he's been enveloped by This is not power. the first time he's been uh, flesh-slorped. I will say- Or Akira-slorped. I will say this as a person who's seen the movie and now hearing this. Both Akira and the Colonel have a crazy amount of plot armor. Like, an insane amount compared to everyone else. Everyone else is, like, turning into goo. They're getting, like, crushed by giant babies. And then these two are just, like, whenever you're, like, oh, the author has at no point been, like, I'm not afraid to just kill a character. Which, you know, you can appreciate from, like, a dramatic standpoint because you don't know what's going to happen. These two, every time, it's just like, oh, this is the end for them. It's like, nope, you're fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. We'll get into it in a minute, but you could definitely tell, yeah, that the colonel, he was like, I have an ending in mind, and the colonel shall live to see it. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but, yes, so Kaneda is inside this largest Akira event uh, that is now both Tetsuo and Akira at the same time. And within it, he sees what an Akira event is, and it is the birth of a new universe. Oh. Uh, Whoa. And so as this explosion is going off, he uh, sees inside of the new universe world and, like, the souls of Tetsuo, Akira, Miyako, all of these other psychics that got... uh taken up in this blast, right? Okay. Um and uh they they basically describe that uh this is a good thing. Um what? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, that's a lot of like terrible death and explosions have just happened. Uh I don't see that this is a very good thing. Uh-huh. And uh fair he they they land him with what is 
functionally the moral of this story, which we should take a step back in order to absorb because it is one in which uh, I feel like a Western audience might struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, let me, I, I will preface it too by this. I have an idea right now before Ethan says anything of what the moral is. I haven't looked up anything. I've only consumed the anime and what Ethan has told us as far as what this is. And I urge you as an audience member to, I guess, try and come up with your own rationale Uh for like what's going on and what this means. And I'll let Ethan say what the, the stated moral is as a person who knows the media better. And then I will come up with what I think about when I see this stuff and like the context that it was written in and and that kind of stuff. But this is definitely the kind of thing that like is not something you can just say is the right answer. And I've always wanted to take a shot at doing like a think piece, but uh, I usually just listen to other people's think pieces. So this is, Mm -hmm. this is Mm -hmm. what we'll do. I suppose I should preface this also by saying that um, while a lot of this is like put together and pretty well generally accepted, this is also not like one of those things where the author has come out and said, mm-hmm. this is exactly what I meant, you know? Right, this mm-hmm. is what a bunch of nerds decided is correct. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it, it comes together pretty good, but the the basics of it is... Uh, so yes, Akira is is a vet reference to like nuclear weapons, right? Like power oh, humans yeah. should not be in control of, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the thing that we need to understand is the idea that the Japanese themselves would have a very strong distaste for mm-hmm. the Japanese Empire of World War Two. Mm-hmm. And that it is a good thing that they are gone, and that as uh, Otomo is sort of arguing here, it is a good thing that the bombs were dropped on them. Oh, uh, the idea that he is basically presenting is that uh, rebirth is the only way in which human beings really grow to become better mm-hmm. and that rebirth can only occur when the old dies and because the old will always refuse to go willingly they have to be murdered so just as the empire of japan needed to be destroyed by the bombs the current power structures that we are suffering under, uh, they will not go quietly. They mm-hmm. must be destroyed in violence. So the concept with the the Akira explosion, right? Obviously, like Tetsuo turns into a baby, is he's being reborn, right? Like mm-hmm. they they throw rebirth in your face, like pretty straightforwardly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the idea is that while the violence and the destruction are terrible. They are, in fact, the only way in which we will learn. 
And while that does not make the destroyers good people, that doesn't make Tetsuo a hero. Mm -hmm. It is a necessity of human growth. Uh, So it is, you know, it's the sort of thing like we were talking earlier about the caretakers, right? The whole concept behind them being that the current power structures, even if they lost everything, would refuse mm-hmm. to give up their power. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we it's it's hard to get into talking about like the big bullet point bullet point events, but you know, they very much throw at you again and again that like those in power don't give a shit about the little people, the mm-hmm. the youth, the biker gangs, right? Like they only matter to the world around them in as much as society sees them as either a resource or an obstacle. And, mm. you know, the reform schools is trying to turn them into a resource because otherwise they're an obstacle that should just be destroyed. Mm. You know, you kids are trash is like thrown at them constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, the big moment that the colonel is saved for is in the very end after our last Akira explosion here, um, there are more relief ep- efforts that are coming in, right? And they're like, I don't know what happened. Tokyo sure has exploded a lot this month. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we are here to help people out and we are going to uh, bring you guys back into the fold. And... Kaneda and all of the group of bikers and Kay and all of our people who have survived, they come and they say, leave your supplies, but you are not welcome here in our new land. This is now the Akira Empire, and we do not take kindly to invaders. And then they ride off into the the sunset of their destroyed city, which on the face of it, sounds insane because they're in like a dystopian nightmare, right? They're in Uh like a uh, blown out city. But the only thing that would be more insane than that is subjecting themselves to the same power structures to relive the same thing over again, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Their their last scene is uh, seeing the colonel you know, kind of just like like walking along out there, and uh, the colonel's just like, or or they're like, like, are you are you gonna get involved with this as we're like fighting the powers that be? And he's like, no, I think I'm going to finally step aside, hmm. and that is like the moment that they saved the colonel for, and then they ride off into the sunset. I see. Okay. That definitely makes more sense as to like why the colonel survives so long to me. <laughs> Fran, do you have a question? Because I have some things I want to say about it from a a, a, diff- a slightly different perspective, but I I want you to to have your your moment. As well. I mean, I I don't have any questions necessarily. It's just <laughs> I'm not surprised, I guess, about the moral that came from it, especially. Um, Given the time period, with like given the time it. period, and also, I mean, Japan's still dealing with um, its actions when it was Imperial Japan, mm-hmm. right from mm-hmm. World War II, and there's 
still a lot of um, sentiment in uh, Asian countries about the actions and how they feel that right. the Japanese haven't really atoned for those or acknowledged them, right? And it sounds like the, um, Otomo wanted to address that in his work. Yep. And also, I know that a lot of Japanese media is rooted in, like, the nuclear bombs being dropped. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, just, like, the titular Godzilla, right? And so, and about how you can use that a lot for, like, the dangers of these types of weapons and wielding a power that you don't know or um, what comes after such destruction. And yeah, well, I, I, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it aligns, it aligns well, for sure. To further your point. So I want to bring up something that they said in the anime or in the, the, the movie that we didn't really get to, but when they explain what Akira is and they explain what Ethan says, like the power in the movie, um, while being possessed as a medium, uh, Kay describes from one from twenty six, uh, that the power is like everything that exists is infused with the power. You know, it it, mm -hmm. it is in many ways the power of creation, not like the power to create, but the power of creation. And mm -hmm. everything that ever has existed or will exist is a part of that power, which means that mm. things like amoebas, this is what they say specifically in the, in the movie, but like an amoeba has the power, just like humans have the power. But the thing is, amoebas only eat and multiply. That's all they know how to do. Where humans make houses and do wars and do things that are far beyond an amoeba's comprehension. But if you took a human's power and gave it to an amoeba who only knows amoeba things, it becomes a power that is, to an amoeba, godlike. So mm. the idea to me in the movie is that if you do the same thing but extrapolate it forward of this idea that there are powers that are so beyond comprehension of any given species at any given time that it it is like irresponsible for them to have mm -hmm. it so for me so again i've been listening a lot to like the manhattan project and the nuke stuff i've been listening to the last podcast on the left which has been doing a series on it because oppenheimer's coming out uh and our, our tie-in i know and <laughs> it, it's it's very informative, but there's a big problem generally, and they try to address it, but there's a problem generally about t trying to talk about nukes being from a very American-centric viewpoint, because mm -hmm. that is the viewpoint from which the nukes were dropped. But there was a big sentiment, like, the movie gives this it's really weird and it, it makes a lot more sense now that <laughs> it is really weird. Well, it makes a lot more sense that you've explained it now, Ethan, that like the Colonel is like portrayed as a good guy in the movie. He is like a positive figure who is just trying to fix his city. And the corrupt politicians of the era are the ones holding him back from doing it. And when he declares martial law, it's a good thing that this happened because finally someone is correcting the wrongs of these corrupt politicians. And like, I can understand that sentiment, 
But there is this idea that like scientists, like in the movie, the scientists were the ones who were like trying to drive this research irresponsibly because they were more interested in the knowledge that was being gained than by the harm it could create. And that's what the colonel said is he's like, well, you you don't understand the the negative impacts this could have. And the science is like, but you don't understand the the understanding of the universe we could have if we could mm-hmm. research this. There's a big misconception that like scientists kind of ruined the world by coming up with all these things, like naively thinking that, you know, just trying to understand the natural sciences would further humanity. Every scientist that was around when like nuclear theory was being discovered was like, oh, wait, this could be used for a weapon of horrible destruction. Like they almost all figured it out immediately. And that's why the Manhattan Project started because America was like, oh shit, the Nazis could have a nuke. Like they could Mm -hmm. have, if they, like we know that they know about this stuff. If they figure it out first, that means the Nazis have nuclear weapons. And most of the scientists were like, we need to make a nuke for peace's sake. Like that's what, that's the Mm -hmm. copium that they were taking was if everyone has a nuke, like if all of the major countries had a thing that could destroy humanity, we wouldn't do war anymore because all the countries would know if you do war, humanity's over. And so no one would do it anymore. So they did believe that like, this technology would make war stop. Which in mm-hmm. fairness, nobody's in like, you know, China and Russia haven't had a land war. America and Russia haven't had a land war. Like the major superpowers don't do wars with each other for that reason. But it has opened up this whole new existential floodgate of, well, at any given moment. Proxy wars? Yeah, well, at any time that sort of the leaders of the world feel like humanity's over, we can just hit the kill switch and, you know, we're done. But especially in like 80s Japan, they were yeah. being brought into the fold of East, of, of like, western society right like they were going from isolationist western japan to post-war japan that is now doing a bunch of commerce with the east it doesn't it like it makes a lot of sense they would be like oh well it's actually a good thing the drums but the the bombs dropped because now we get to do trade with america and now we get to manufacture things and make a lot of money off of it and um, also there's just like a lot of technological developments happen so rapidly right hence 80s japan where they had all the technological like that's mm-hmm. why they were known as like and the, and there's some technology right and there's something and to be said it's kind of petered out now right again but. and there's something to be said about like the old you know again in the movie like it shows the 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 board of people that control japan and they like they're just a bunch of old dudes who are you know bickering between themselves and like they don't yeah. actually care about anything mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. to me, the story of Akira is one of this idea that science isn't inherently good or bad. It just is. The law of nature, the forces that create and destroy, these are not things that are, you know, 
that are evil or are good or anything like that. They are physical laws that exist mm-hmm. to govern reality. And we as humans have developed in a way that is we are outgrowing our social evolution. Our scientific mm-hmm. knowledge is progressing faster than we can progress as a civilization. And so Mm -hmm. we get things like the nuclear bomb, which if it was made in a time of peace could bring us untold like free energy, space travel, like any amount of scientific advancements that don't involve war. But because it was discovered at the turn of the 1900s, we have it immediately used by a bunch of white supremacists who want to take over the world and so the rest of the world goes well we need to do that first because otherwise it's gonna be really bad and Mm -hmm. then we create something that is far beyond our comprehension for destruction and we do it and when i say that i don't mean like when they drop the bomb they knew what it was gonna do they cannot say that they were like oh we didn't know it was gonna be that bad they knew exactly how powerful it was gonna be yeah but so yeah and and so like the that is definitely the stuff that that we're talking about here but i think the yet like the specific message that otomo is is sending um to like what you're saying is not like yes they they knew how bad the bomb was gonna be in a uh you know, mathematical sense, mm-hmm. but the the idea the idea that he he gives, which is a pretty pessimistic, but I guess like with a silver lining of optimism, mm-hmm. is that like humans are just like not wise enough, intelligent enough creatures that even if we understand the math, that we can truly understand the magnitude of the power that we wield until it is unleashed and destruction like we only learn from destruction Mm. but at least we do learn true and i think like so kamada is in my opinion is the analogy for japan because he does not win the day really um but he survives when everything else is destroyed. Whereas Tetsuya is, I think, this goes back to my studying of the physics, uh, but (laughs) in a lot of ways, he is like uh, how America was viewed. Um, I would say that when, like turn of the century, America, the other countries, did not believe America was capable of like mm-hmm. anything of value as of yet. It was a really young country. Um, yeah. It was like it, it kept fighting with itself. Right. It had a and... it had a civil war. It like it basically seemed like a third world country. Um, it was very small comparatively. It had a very short amount of like cultural history. And a lot of its existence was spent fighting either itself or the natives that it was trying to inhabit. <laughs> so, like the the general the general worldview was that America could not do science, um, 
all of the scientific discoveries that came from America were like widely disputed. Nobody really believed that they were able to come up with a lot of the, um, like a lot of the the things that they did. And like just to to hammer in that point, during the development of the Manhattan Project, Japan, like most other countries, knew that a, a nuclear bomb like could exist. Um, but they were like, America could not build that. Like, there's no way mm. that America could underestimate. There's no way that America mm-hmm. could build something like that before this war ends. They they were like completely convinced that that could not happen. Um, mm. and then like it did. Like it, it was a. It, that's why it's it's such like a a on the nose analogy for me because it's like it's a character that's completely underestimated. But then it is given a great power that it does not know how to use responsibly. Mm-hmm. And that creates a a dangerous situation. So that that was my takeaway from it was the idea that a, a vast destructive power given to a, a completely immature society and that was another big theme for me was like maturity because all of the twenties are like, they have the bodies of children, but are like, look like they're aged. I, I got mm-hmm. like a really big sense that those are supposed to represent the older countries, like the European countries and the Eastern countries of like their technology was behind in the fact that they didn't have all of this destructive capability. And yet they were really old. Like they had existed Mm. for a long time. They were burdened with this wisdom of age, even though technology, technology speaking, they were stunted to the point of like, you know, you might feel like you are a child if you are getting bombed by a science that you have no comprehension of at this point. Mm -hmm. And so like and, and they're the ones trying to keep level heads, trying to make the nukes not go off, right? As opposed to these other characters who don't have those old aged faces, like you know, Tetsuya and Akira himself, like are just like unaffected by this this oldness that seems to persist among everyone else. And they're the ones who are like irresponsible with their power they're the ones who are blowing everything up and uh because they just don't know they you know tetsuya is himself new to this power and he can't control it and it's just being destructive so there's there's like i don't know it's weird man the ending of the movie i got to the end and i was like what do you want from me what is like the they made a new universe okay that's cool and they just did that and they're gone now and now you know whatever yeah i mean like we we could talk about analogies and such here for a while uh the the last one i wanted to hit on was uh you know the the idea of Akira, yeah, he's he's the destructive force. Like he's he's related to like nuclear weapons and such. And the the point, the colonel like says it out loud in the movie, but it is driven home better in the manga. Is like 
the idea that less so the creation of something like Akira was evil, but the idea that uh, the people in power would just put it on ice, like create something so devastating and then just kind of sit on it and that mm -hmm. that's the world that we exist in now uh, because they didn't want to confront the magnitude of the thing that they had made mm -hmm. um, is like something that they really push home yeah. harder in the manga. Mm -hmm. they say, but They say that they opened Pandora's box and then they just tried to put the lid back on. Exactly. But I mean for my for my notes here, I just wrote epilogue fuck the police. So eh. you could also just take that True. Note if you will. Never trust authority ever unless it is us telling you that this episode is over. That's right. That's how we're going to transition <laughs> into the end of the episode. Sorry it's a bit of a downer. Unless you really like the world we live in now. In which case, you're probably pretty thrilled to hear all that story play out because you're like, yay, it's an analogy for the real world. And we love that. I like the positive idea that the world that we are in now is similar to the world of Akira and that through great violence, we can make it a better place. This one was a big one. I mean, this is Akira. This is what every every other anime is based off of. Uh we'll we'll do a more fun one next time i promise but if you've got an idea for uh some content you want to get analyzed or at least talked about uh you know drop us a line we're at spices with on twitter and also uh we have a youtube channel which if you're watching on just drop a comment um we are well i uh i stream over at twitch.tv slash clicking with spices listen I played through the first Metal Gear Solid game, and I know we want to do Metal Gear Solid, and I did like the first game, so we'll, we might keep doing that over there, and we might get around to doing that episode, but god damn, is there a lot in there? Oh boy, is that going to be a big one? <laughs> so we're, you know, it's cooking, but you're going to have to wait for it. That's going to have to be like a 1,000 subscriber special, or maybe 100. I don't but we do want to thank Gailstorm Kitsune because she did do the artwork for our channel and it is lovely. We also want to thank Apajo for the intro and outro music to the podcast, guys. I am exhausted but invigorated by all this talk about nuclear Armageddon. I'm sure it will never happen to us. And that sort of ignorance makes me content. That is not in our lifetime anyway. Oh, right? surely not. Anyway. Surely not. Oh, what did I just talk to you guys for the last four hours about? I've been CJ. <laughs> we put it on ice, man. I've been okay. Ethan. And I've been Fran. And let's let the next generation deal with it. Surely the Zoomers have got <laughs> that, us covered. That was the lesson that we should have taken from this. All right. Good luck, Gen Z. Gen Z.